I'm Robert Colangelo. This is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. This week, we talk with our old friend, the guru of gears, the prince of pontification, and the czar of cars, Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer God Automotive and the host of the podcast, Car Stuff. Tom, welcome back to Green Sense. And we have a lot of green automotive news to talk about, so let's get right into it. All right. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the New York Auto Show. Uh, it happened a few weeks ago. Lots of EVs were shown at the show. What was significant about the New York Auto Show? The big news out of New York, of course, Nissan Aria finally in production. Nissan has been teasing this car now for about two and a half years. This is an electric compact crossover where all the business is going to be in the EV world for a while is compact crossovers. Uh, but this promises to be a volume vehicle, popularly priced and available 50 states. Also, uh, wasn't it important because it wasn't it the first time they had that auto show in two years, if I was not correct? New York hasn't been for a while. And, and frankly, it was a little quiet in terms of news, but it was just good to see a show. Um, there was an interesting concept too, an EV concept from Lincoln called the Lincoln Star, which is going to be used to, to more or less predict three different vehicles they plan to introduce relatively soon. Well, I understand that there were lots of different EVs showcased uh, at the show more than ever before. There are, yeah. And we're going to see more and more EVs. And part of the news too, though not out of New York, is that Volkswagen's got a bunch of products coming in, some very bold predictions uh, for future sales. So now that there's lots of EVs out there, let's talk a little bit about the availability and pricing. Uh, cars used to be affordable. They aren't anymore, especially EVs. What, what do you have on that? <laughs> no, that's true. And one of the things that we're running into is that major, major manufacturers are running out of the federal tax credit, which used to take some of the sting out of this. Of course, Tesla and General Motors no longer qualify. Toyota is about to lose their qualification, as is Nissan and probably Ford. And these are manufacturers that just launched products or have products out there now. So that's going to affect uh, availability and, and uh, affordability. But the new spate of vehicles, and I mentioned compact crossovers earlier, um, a lot, most of these vehicles start right around 40 to 42 grand. They're probably going to sticker for around 55 grand popularly equipped. So that 7,500 makes a big difference, especially to mid-market shoppers. Can you get them? Are cars available? That's a great question. Um, the Volkswagen ID4, sort of the first mass market compact crossover available in the U.S., EV compact crossover, uh, supply is very short. They sold about 17,000 units last year, and they're scrambling to have them here. We just learned, and this is unfortunate, Toyota launched the BZ4X, another compact electric crossover this year. They're going to limit total sales in the U.S. to just 7,000 units this year. The mechanically similar uh, Subaru Solterra, which Toyota builds for Subaru, they're going to limit to just 6,500 units this year. So that's a bummer um, in terms of availability. The Nissan Aria should be available. What's good news is that the Toyota Kia products seem to be available in some volume. The Kia EV6, which is being very well reviewed, uh, they've already sold 7,000 of those this year. And it looks like the Hyundai um, Ionic 5 doing very well so far. Did you say the Toyota Kia? I'm sorry, I meant Hyundai Kia. Okay. <laughs> if I, I said that, that was. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear because I thought that would have been an interesting name for a car company. It would have um, been. Well, there's lots of kinks in the supply chain, starting with the chip shortage, the wire harness shortage. 
and just parts. So let's get into that. Give us an update on the chip shortage. Um, mostly bad news, unfortunately. We keep hearing that it's getting better and that it never seems to get better. But if you talk to the folks at Intel who seem to be pretty close to the problem, this problem is gonna run all through 2023 and into early 2024 now. So anything you hear sooner than that is probably optimistic. And, and we talked about affordability, of course, manufacturers in the US are prioritizing the most expensive, most loaded vehicles if they can only build some vehicles. And that's part of what's affecting affordability. I hear that they're putting cars out with uh, maybe not all the chips. So maybe you can't get heated seats or other functions, but they need to get those cars produced. Is that fact or fiction? That is fact and fiction. One of the things that's happened, there's something like 60,000 um, uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E's that are sitting around waiting for chips right now. At General Motors, one of the things they've done is eliminated some options. Or, or just left them in the vehicle, but they don't operate. Unfortunately, GM's cylinder deactivation system, which is good for a mile or two per gallon in their big trucks, isn't being chip uh, equipped right now. So if you buy a big GM truck right now, your mileage will suffer because of the chip shortage. Wow, where do they put all these cars? 60,000 cars is a lot to store. <laughs> do they have that kind of capacity? I've seen, actually, I've seen lots. Uh, around Detroit where they start to park vehicles like that. But yeah, space becomes an issue too. That's also money. Well, let's get into another one. And it's the uh, uh, the, the uh, side effect of a war. Uh, these wire harnesses are produced in Ukraine and I guess in Russia, and now they're hard to get. Elaborate on that and tell us the facts. Yeah, the biggest sufferer from this is Volkswagen. Volkswagen, currently the largest auto producer in the world. Uh, supplied a number of its wiring horse harnesses in the Ukraine. And a wiring harness, people probably think about something small with a couple of plugs on it. It's an enormous amount of wiring, sometimes up to three miles of wiring. Oh! <laughs> expensive things, and they're difficult to ship, and they're really difficult to build. Uh, you can't just go someplace and just build a new one. So they are uh, resourcing these things from different companies in different countries, but right now, right now, it looks like Volkswagen has replaced the one Ukraine manufacturer with three, four, or five other manufacturers. One of them is in Mexico. I think there's another one in South America. And one's in Tunisia. No fun to be in car manufacturing these days, right? Oh. Right right when you solve one supply issue, another one pops up. No fun at all. Well, China produces a lot of parts for cars, and they've shut down pretty much Shanghai and other port cities. How is that impacting uh, parts and, and, and components for cars? Luckily, a lot of what China produces in terms of parts are for use in China. So it's not impacting Western Europe or North America that much. Uh, good news as of May 3rd is that Tesla's factory finally reopened in Shanghai. So they'll be building cars again. Uh, but it's looking like the situation in Shanghai is finally starting to clear up a little bit. It's difficult for manufacturers to comply with the federal regulations, the Chinese federal regulations to open up. But it seems like the government is working with manufacturers. So the Tesla thing's a good news, a bit of good news, because they were shut down for 22 days. Whew. Well, speaking of Tesla, Tesla's got lots of news. And I wanted to cover four things with you. The opening of the Gigafactory, their Q1 earnings report the Cybertruck production, and solid-state battery development. So let's first start, start out with the Gigafactory. Yeah, so we have two Gigafactories to talk about, one in Berlin 
and one in Austin, Texas, and they're going to be doing different things. But with the opening of these two factories, Tesla effectively nearly doubles its production capacity. This is a big deal because Tesla got very close to producing a million vehicles last year. But the Berlin factory is going to be producing both batteries and the Model 3 and the Model Y. Those are gonna be used primarily uh, for sale in Europe where Tesla feels it's important to have a German factory to win over European buyers. Tesla Austin or Giga Austin just opened. Uh, that's, that production is probably going just to the US. It'll again be Model 3, that's the small sedan and the Model Y, the small crossover and probably the Cybertruck. Well, that's pretty exciting because I've got my money in on the Cybertruck and I've been waiting for two <laughs> years now. So give me some updates on the Cybertruck. When will I get mine? <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, I'm, I'm seeing production beginning as late uh, is 2023 and as early as earlier this year. I don't think anything's going to be produced this year. I think we're looking at probably a 2024 model year for those. And Tesla seems to have been able to work around the chip shortage by working with the Koreans. Elaborate on that. Yeah, Tesla has done a really interesting job, a really good job of being more vert vertically integrated than other manufacturers. You think about General Motors, Ford, or, or uh, what was FCA and is now Stellantis, they all deal with huge tier one suppliers that they, they lean to for everything. And they don't tend to secure their own supply chains. They, they lean on the suppliers for that. Tesla, on the other hand, likes to build things in house and they, they make their own batteries. Uh, they make a lot of their own parts and they've done a really good job of securing a, a, a solid and dependable line of chips. Their production hasn't really been hurt by the chip shortage. Well, remember when all those investors started short selling Tesla because they thought it was uh, at the, the edge of death? Yes. Well, their Q1 earnings report was quite good this, this quarter. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, this is interesting because they're finally making money. And, and the thing that people want to point out, and it's no longer true, is that they're making money selling uh, EV credits or uh, uh, emissions credits. And that's not the case. They were wholly profitable without selling any sort of EV credits. Uh, that's fantastic because, you know, we, we need some wins here with these EV manufacturers. Well, I read a report that Tesla is working on a solid state battery that's supposed to increase the range and mileage. Any updates on that? Solid state batteries are interesting and Tesla's not the only one chasing that technology. Toyota and Nissan are doing it as well. Solid state simply means that the... Uh, the electrolytes in the battery are not fluid or liquid, they're solid. This allows them to be packaged more easily. And then the whole, uh, whole, uh, the whole product is, is smaller and lighter. So it, it would be an incredible breakthrough. Additionally, it should be cheaper to produce. Uh, but unfortunately, every time someone talks about this, they seem to move the date back. Uh, <laughs> Toyota made an announcement recently that they were going to be producing and using uh, solid state batteries as early as 2025 which sounded like great news, except that it's just as uh, uh, a test product for use in hybrid vehicles. So you're looking at years after that before something would appear. Yeah, it, that's the challenge with development. You know, we're all so impatient where right away is not fast enough anymore. So we, we just have to wait a little bit. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about VW. You mentioned them earlier. They came under a lot of heat for their uh, emission scandal or, or, or mileage scandal. And uh, now they seem to be very focused on producing EVs for their entire fleet. Give us an update. Yeah, VW keeps throwing out huge numbers, like 20 million uh, to uh, produced EVs by 2030, something like that. 
Uh, and this comes from their modular architecture, they call it MEB. But one of the things that Toyota wants, I'm sorry, that Volkswagen wants to do in addition to building its own vehicles is to build them for other manufacturers uh, for which they have six products either available now or available soon. And then a fun vehicle coming soon will be the ID Buzz minivan that has a lot of people excited. Uh, what, they, what Toyota, I'm sorry, what ultimately Volkswagen can do uh, to see these volume numbers, we don't know. Obviously they're being stunted right now by the chip shortage and the supply chain issues. Um, what are toy, uh, what are VW's goals? When do they plan to have a pretty much all electric fleet? They're talking about something like 2035 and they want to be completely carbon neutral by 2050. That includes just, not just automobile manufacturing, but their entire operation. Is that doable? Probably not. I think China is going to help them hit those big numbers in a big way. I think that in the U.S., we may have talked about this before, I think after the initial wave of EV acceptance in the U.S., we're going to have some issues with secondary buyers who do not have access to charging at home. That'll slow things a little bit. What about rising gas prices? Will that push the assimilation of EVs? It seems to have interest. Uh, a lot of organizations are reporting increased interest in EV. People are certainly researching EVs right now. So some of that has to shape out as, as final purchase, but to the extent uh, that's happening, I don't know. Well, another car company that we want to succeed, but it continues to seem to have some bad PR is Rivian. I know you recently wrote an article on Rivian Ready, Amazon hub changing station spied. Uh, so before we get into that, give us a quick update on Rivian. How are they doing? Rivian is, has suffered some, some production setbacks, uh, and there's some questions, too, about Rivian's relationship with Amazon, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think most of us know at this point that Amazon had placed a huge order for Rivian vans, up to 100,000 of those. But then Amazon has also been looking to other suppliers for uh, electric vehicles, too. So I'm not entirely sure where that stands. So as far as your article on Rivian Ready, uh, tell us what that was all about. Yeah, this is just a little accident that happened to me on my way to work one day, but I live in Palatine, Illinois, in a Chicago Northwest suburb, uh, which is now home to a new Amazon hub location, a thing which, which turned out to not to be uh, as annoying as it could be to be a neighbor of. But one of the things I noticed there recently is that they have a back lot filled with electric chargers, charging stations for uh, electric delivery vehicles. So I took a little cruise around the lot. I wasn't entirely welcome, but they have... Uh, <laughs> what I believe are 100 charging stations there. So this is going to be one of the facilities that will be housing the electric vans when they arrive. Interesting. And what are the charging stations uh, for? Are they fixed stations? Are they, uh, tell us a little bit more about how they'll be used. Yeah, they're interesting. They are fixed. Um, they're, they're single units with four chargers to each. And it looks like the vans will pull forward into those. But what's most interesting to me is that these are level two chargers, about the same kind of charger that you would have at home. It's a relatively slow charger, but it would fully charge a battery overnight. It's been suggested to me by people who read the article that they're avoiding level three stations because one, level three stations are incredibly expensive. Those are DC fast chargers. And secondly, because the battery life will be prolonged by slower charging. So they've made an interesting decision. I'm sure we'll see a faster charger someplace nearby for emergencies. Well, Tom, as always, you're just a fountain of information. Uh, thank you for everything. It's always so nice to talk car stuff with you. And thanks for being on the show. Oh, pleasure was mine. 
That's Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive and the host of the podcast Car Stuff with our Green Automotive News Update. Green Sense is an independent radio show. We rely on the generous financial support of patrons like you so we could continue to produce a high quality audio broadcast that promotes innovators with sustainable solutions. Your financial support helps us cover operating expenses so that we could continue to tell great stories that inspire action. If you're interested in being a patron, call me at 312-493-1470 or send an email to robert at greensenseshow.com for more information. You can also visit the greensensefarms.com website to download the patron form or a podcast of this show. I'm Robert Colangelo, and thank you for listening to Green Sense. And don't forget to check out the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago.